Welcome to Getting Curious. I'm Jonathan Van Ness, and every week I sit down for a 30-minute conversation with a brilliant expert. But this week, honey, this is way more than just your average brilliant expert. It is the amazing Attorney General of the District of Columbia, Carl Racine. And also, honey, I'm very curious about what Attorney Generals do, and I'm also very generally curious about everything that Carl Racine has been doing, honey, because he's putting out some fires. Welcome to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Van Ness, and I'm so excited today. I have the equivalent of the modern day Mel Gibson in The Patriot, because you are really serving me patriotic vibes these days. Um, you are Mr. Carl Racine, Attorney General of the District of Columbia. It is awesome to be with you, Jonathan. Did I nail that introduction? You nailed it. Thank God. I'm really serving you single-footed landing Olympics long program. I really <laughs> Yes, I picked the right time to not mess up an intro. I'm so excited for that. Because um, I don't know if you've ever listened to Getting Curious, but I, I really get clunky in the beginning of it. I get nervous. I mess stuff up. So, But really only just the intro, and then after that, I settle in. Okay. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So, you know, um, we, there have, you know, it's been a fun two years. <laughs> Help! Yeah. Um, when I was, you know, shoveling down a pint of uh, kitchen sink uh, Ben & Jerry's, listening to Sarah Bareilles' version of Used to Be Mine from Waitress, you know, with the spliff in one hand and, and the Haagen-Dazs in the other on November 7th uh, evening of 2016, I don't, well, you know, who knows? Suffering's all relative. And here we are. So, you know, there's been several lawsuits that we've heard about in the news. We've, you know, we've heard about Avenatti, Avalenti. I also, in my head, I pronounce Sirius Black, Sirius Black from Harry Potter. <laughs> and also, like, um, her Hermione instead of, like, Hermione. So, I feel like when I read names in the news a lot, like, I realize that I've been pronouncing her name wrong the whole time. But there's that Michael Avenetti. Avenetti guy. Avenetti. And then there's the, and he's, like, with the Stormy. And then there's that other wavy-haired girl. And um, so, there's several lawsuits. But yours, I feel like, is very interesting and flying under the radar. And the other caveat to that, I would say, my very good friend who was our guest for internet security way, way, way back in like the early days of getting curious, she is this really amazing um, lobbyist in Sacramento. I love her so much. Her name is Samantha and I, just, I really adore her. And she's done so much good work on net neutrality and um, and uh, sexual harassment uh, discrimination stuff in, in California. I really look up to her and she's taught me a lot. But she was telling me right when Trump got elected, she said, you know, this connection between these hotels and hosting foreign governments is such a clear and direct violation of the emollients clause, and it's only going to be a matter of time before you're seeing that in the news. Fast forward two years, lots has changed. Bam, in walks. This is kind of the under the radar thing. I actually have like tricep chills because because <laughs> it does seem blatantly illegal, even for me. I mean, I only like thought I wanted to be a lawyer for like six months when I was like in tenth grade. Like, and it's and I'm just a hairdresser. It's a conflict of interest, um, and it's a big conflict of interest. The framers of the Constitution created a clause called the Emoluments Clause. It's our first anti-corruption law. A lot of people get stuck on the clumsy word emolument. When's the last time you used it? Yeah, I word? used it wrong. Even just what <laughs> emolument. There's a second M. Exactly. Who knew? But don't even worry about that word. Um, a federal district court in Maryland just decided what that word means. And what it means is anything of value. I like to think of it as, in regards to President Trump, cash, money, in his pocket. And so the Constitution says, if you're president of the United States, do your job as president. Don't worry about the cash money that's coming into your pockets, especially if it's coming in from foreign countries. And that's what's going on at the Trump Hotel in Washington, D.C. It's also going on in the Trump Hotel in New York. And that's why me and the Maryland AG, Brian Frosch, have filed suit and we're winning that lawsuit against the president. And, you know, when I think about it as well, I mean, not, but I mean, what about the golf course in Scotland? What about Mar-a-Lago? What about all of this income that he is receiving from security details, from hosting so many people? I mean, he doesn't have to go to Mar-a-Lago every weekend. And if my memory serves me correctly, I think that this president was tweeting a lot about Barack Obama and where he was staying and his, you know, seven days of or two weeks of vacation in Hawaii, like once upon a time. Um, it, it definitely seems like 
But, you know, actually, sometimes I think that when I get into my whataboutism, as I learned from John Oliver about him, it actually distracts me because, like, really, you are doing something I really respect because it's you're getting into the solution. You know, like, you're not sitting on the sidelines talking about a problem and kind of just, like, ruminating in a problem. You are taking steps to correct a a conflict of interest, which I think is a very real one, too, because you can't say. And and I think really instead of being a whatabouter, what I was trying to say was is you can't out of one hand of your mouth say, you know, this is a witch hunt and and you can't distract me because I'm president and I have to focus. And, you know, this is really just a distraction. I'm the president, so I need to focus. And on the other hand, say, well, I'm the president, but I'm really not benefiting from all these. And don't you remember those, you know, all those manila folders that I showed you right (laughs) after I got elected that had all those blank pieces of paper in it? That was all of me saying how I was going to, like, you know, not be a part of it. But obviously, I talked to Donald Jr. and that other blonde one all the time. And I'm clearly very much in control of exactly what's going on in the Trump organization. (sighs) Well, look here. Donald Trump tells you over and over and over again, even before he became president, what it is that people do or countries do that make him friendly to them. And that is if they do business with them. He said it about the Saudis. What do he say? Hey, they buy apartments and other things from me to the tune of 50, maybe a hundred million dollars. Lo and behold, we now have a crisis that concerns Saudi Arabia. And we're left to think, is our president going to be focused on what's best for the country? Or is he going to be influenced by the fact that They've given him money. $110 million exactly. of, of investment for for Rydia 2030 or Vision 2030. And also, that was one thing that I was reading is that MBS, but um, James Galvin, Dr. James Galvin, who's also been a guest on Getting Curious, who was my very first guest ever. He's a director of Islamic history at UCLA. He was saying that I really shouldn't call Mohammed bin Salman MBS because that is like a, we're normalizing a dictator. And, and it's kind of a cute little pet name for mm. someone who is like, you know, murdering journalists in broad daylight and then professing to have no, you know, knowledge of it. Um, anyway, so, but yeah, Donald Trump would not want to risk the $110 billion of investment over the death of like one journalist. And as we've seen how he treats, you know, the press and journalists in this country, it is no surprise that he is not lifted a finger and expressed nothing but false outrage about because and how Kishlagi. Kashagi. Kashagi. I really have an issue. I think I have dyslexia or something when no, it comes to good. reading like people's names. Um but Kashagi, I mean it's, it's very it this is a very troubling case. I mean this is a journalist who was out and out for all accounts, like murdered. There's audio there. It's it's very troubling to see how Donald Trump has handled this. Totally shocking. Uh, we saw pictures of him, of course, leaving his fiance, going into the Saudi consulate. And then all of a sudden, we only heard what happened. Of course, the Saudis initially said what? Oh, he was just here for an hour, left out the back door. Well, the guy who left out the back door wasn't the journalist. It was someone else who oh, was, that was Saudi, the body double. That- was the body double. And so all we've seen is deception. And this goes right back again to the emoluments case, because it's important to have a president that's going to be focused only on the American interest, not again on personal gain. And we know that Donald Trump is influenced by personal gain. That was another, absolutely, that was another thing that I was so troubled by a few weeks ago when he said, you know, unabashedly on national television or or that rally when he said, you know, I'm a nationalist. He said, I don't understand. And the problem with saying that you're a nationalist in America is the basis of what America is founded on, which is the very first part that makes America America is that we are a melting pot and we come from nations all over the world. And in America, we are equal. No matter where you are from, you are equal. So you really, if you are a nationalist in America, that means you are for trans. That means you are for Haitians. That means you are for Mexicans. That means you are for Ethiopians. That means you're for Saudis. That means you're for Iranians. That means you're for everyone. He's not for Iranians. He's got a Muslim ban, honey. He's not for trans people. He's trying to kick them out of every corner he can find. If you are a nationalist, that means you are interested in white interests and white interests only. And that was the most blatant dog whistle. That wasn't even a dog whistle. That was just like a foghorn. Absolutely. And he was, um, you know, he didn't even need to use the word white. People knew exactly what he was talking about. And frankly, it's no surprise, right? Over the past several days, we've seen outrageous violence, hate-motivated violence, the killing of two African-Americans who are just going to a store, right? Then we saw all the bombs being mailed to uh, critics of Trump. And then, of course, just yesterday, we saw the terrible shooting at the synagogue, Life of Tree. This is a time for real leadership, not for dog whistles and embracing of hate. I think it's also really important to, you know, 
I think America is great. One thing I think that America is really exceptionally bad at and I'm really troubled by is our inability to take responsibility for our side of the street and mm. be able to apologize and admit where we were at fault, where we've done something wrong. One area where I really see that, um, and I've talked about it yesterday, but I, it, it, it really sickens me. Um, to the, I mean, I, I, I actually literally cry about it sometimes because I get so overwhelmed by it. But the caravan that's going on yeah. in Central America right now, I mean, the Reagan administration in the 1980s, we had 100,000 Americans die of HIV AIDS by 1987 before Ronald Reagan himself mentioned it on TV. 100,000 people. When you think about the around-the-clock coverage that CNN and other networks gave to the Ebola virus, which was very devastating, it killed 14,000 people in Africa. It was very, I think maybe more, but that was a very devastating virus. But when you think about... Can you think if Barack Obama had not mentioned that virus in any other con- like how what the this was a hundred thousand Americans and because they were mostly gay the Ronald Reagan administration did not lift a finger to do anything whilst they were in Nicaragua Honduras El Salvador providing the very guns that we are seeing to this day that these exact migrants are fleeing from thirty and forty years later and no one wants to talk about that you've made a series of phenomenal points and no one wants and so when when people say you know well they need to get in line first. First of all, there is no line for legal immigration for people from Central America or Mexico. Second of all, the reason they are fleeing violence is because they have received guns and arms and a drug race that we ourselves are fueling and do not want to talk about. So, look, I come from the country of Haiti. I was uh, born in Haiti. My family uh, immigrated to Haiti when I was six months old. They sent for me and my sister three years later. We moved apartment to apartment until we got settled down. My mom established herself, Ph.D., foreign language and an educator. My dad was a businessman. This is the American dream and American story. When Haitians also were fleeing Haiti in the mid-80s, they also were denied the right to um, apply for asylum. They were stopped in the high waters and returned back while there was a different policy for white Cubans. We need to confront our racism. I mean, that, yeah, that's insane. Because if Mexicans were caught in the 80s, even now, because the Cubans were given, like, if you came from Cuba. One, because, one wet foot policy. And the only reason that that was is because it was very convenient for Americans to hate Cubans because of communism and the Cold War. Like, that was the chic thing to be terrified of and use as, like, a fear-mongering thing in political elections was, like, communism, honey, they're communists. Like, that was the whole thing. Right? Right. I mean, I was, like, born in 87, but I feel like I remember that being a thing. I mean, I watch the Americans. I actually don't watch that <laughs> show, but I hear that it's a thing from that era. Um, so, yeah, so I just, I really am troubled by um, people's white privilege in, because to me it really is, I don't see a lot of people of color uh, not able to talk about what I'm talking about. I, I have a lot of, like, my mom's friends and people back home who love to say things like, these people don't want to work. These people don't want to get in line. I'm like, what line are you talking about? And who are these people? I think that's what's going on, especially with President Trump. He's creating a false narrative to describe um, folks who are coming here uh, for good reason. At least they should be allowed to test that. He's calling them rapists, murderers, and even animals. No, these are immigrants. These are today's immigrants, just as in times past, the immigrants may have been from Ireland, Scotland, or other places. That's why the organization that I'm a co-chair of, the Democratic Attorney General's Association, has been vigilant in filing lawsuit after lawsuit to protect our way of life in America, which includes decency and respect and a fair due process for immigrants. Absolutely. I mean, I just, immigration, for as long as I've been reading the news, has been an unsolvable issue. And I think, theoretically, when I think about the... um the well, not even really theoretically, because I think the Republican Party has strayed so far from what their actual original message was and what its base was, which was like small government and little intervention. But their new message is like small government and little intervention, unless it has anything to do with marijuana, gay rights, abortion, anything that we don't agree with. That's and right. also we have to give all the money to the corporations. And I know that we said that we were like into like not tackling you too much if you're in the middle class. Like actually, no, it's just corporations get away from us. Bye. But at the end of the day, I think the Republicans are very terrified that if there is a path to citizenship for people from Central America, they're going to want to vote for the party that was like trying to go to the bat for them in the first place. And really, at the end of the day, it's like votes and power. Can I tell you something? I think that most Republican people are good people. I most think, are. I think what I happens, though, is that when leadership, you know, doesn't pay attention to facts, seeks to vilify, dehumanize people, then all of a sudden folks start thinking, oh, my God, the president may be right. 
the people in this caravan may actually be dangerous and terrorists. Didn't he even say that there's some Middle Easterners in the caravan with absolutely no evidence? The whole point of what we all do is to bring a truth to power, talk about the real facts, talk about the facts that immigrants are overwhelmingly, extremely hardworking people who don't live on a government dole and who do not commit crime more than Americans. That's what I was actually going to say a little bit ago, but I actually got sidetracked because I get so passionate in my Actually, two seconds, and it's a really good time to start the second bit. More with Carlos Seen, Attorney General of District Columbia, and me, Jonathan Metis. I'm getting curious right after this. Honey, take a moment and just think to yourself, describe yourself in one word. Are you simple, sophisticated, or adventurous? However you dress, the stylist at Stitch Fix can help you find your favorite piece. Stitch Fix is an online personal styling service that delivers your favorite clothing, shoes, and accessories directly to you. First, you complete a style profile, then an expert personal stylist will send you a hand-picked box of items based on your preferences. They even have men's and kids' boxes too, which we love, honey. Let's get everyone, uh, you know, taken care of. Plus, I'm sure you can mix and match if they aren't, you know, in the dark ages. What if you want something from both? With no subscription required, you can pick between automatic shipments or only getting new pieces on demand. Shipping, exchanges, and returns are always free. Plus, the $20 styling fee is automatically applied towards anything you keep from your box. We love our Stitch Fix personal stylists. I can customize my own gorgeous preferences, whether it's sizing, brand, or budget. Once you finish the style quiz and set up your ideal number of deliveries, honey, you'll receive everything from jewelry to shoes to bags, all to go with your hand-picked outfits. I love that. Get started today at stitchfix.com slash JVN and get an extra 25% off when you keep everything in your box. That's S-T-I-T-C-H fix.com slash JVN for an extra 25% off when you keep everything in your box. Support for today's show comes from Rakuten. Rakuten is a free member-based loyalty program that lets you earn up to 40% cash back at over 2,500 stores. It's perfect for all your back-to-school shopping needs. Get cash back on everything from school supplies to new clothes at some of your favorite retailers like Macy's, Forever 21, Walmart, and more. And don't worry, it's always free. No gimmicks, no points to redeem. Better yet, Rakuten is so simple and easy to use. Simply go to Rakuten.com, click on the retailer you're looking for to activate the cash back, and then shop as normal. You'll earn a percentage of every purchase you make up to 40% cash back. Then, every three months, members will be paid in the form of a check or via PayPal. Sign up today at Rakuten.com. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N.com. If there is something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, BetterHelp Online Counseling can help. BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who are specialized in issues such as depression, anxiety, relationships, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBTQ matters, grief, self-esteem, and more. Connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment and get help at your own time and at your own pace. Anything you share is confidential and it's so convenient. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions as well as chat and text with your therapist. If for some reason you are not happy with your counselor though, you can request a new one at any time and for no additional charge. Best of all, it's a truly affordable option. Getting Curious with Jonathan Van Ness Listers can get 10% off your first month with the discount code JVN. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com slash JVN. Then simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with the counselor you'll love. That's betterhelp.com slash JVN. You can hear ad-freed new episodes of Getting Curious, plus two weekly bonus episodes only on Stitcher Premium. For a free month of Stitcher Premium, go to stitcherpremium.com slash JVN and use promo code JVN. Welcome back to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Vaness in studio today, Attorney General of District of Columbia, Carl Racine. Thank you so much for coming. Hey, Jonathan. So one thing that we were just saying, um, to me, if we look at the last week, uh, white terrorism, white domestic terrorism is a much bigger threat to our national security than who's setting bombs? Who is that? Right? Or who do we think it's, right? Who just shot up a church of Jewish people in Philadelphia? Right? White man. Right. White people are committing terroristic acts in this country. Way, who was the guy who shot all those people in the church in Texas? White guy. Who was the guy that in Charlotte? White. There is 
so much of a lack of taking responsibility for our for white people taking responsibilities for not only our past but our current situation and the blind eye that is being turned. I mean, I'm like, yeah, I mean, in that caravan. There is so many women and children and people that are literally fleeing from poverty or fleeing from their lives and are fleeing from a domestic situation that is non-moving. Also large, and that was the thing when Donald Trump went to cut off aid to Central America, I'm like, wow, this is really someone who is heartless. For Republicans that are so pro-life, I thought this was very interesting, you know, because the Bush administration, when they came and they cut off all of, if any nonprofit organization across the world provided any, uh, uh, prenatal or excuse me, any abortion services or any sort of, uh, you know, Planned Parenthood type stuff, it was cut off. Like that country was cut off from those sorts of services. And then the Trump administration went even further in cutting off like access to healthcare that that we donated or helped any other country. I mean, really for someone who professes to be so, in, you know, evangelical and about the Christian faith and it is so unchristian. Yeah. I mean, I don't claim to be, you know, I mean, I'm, maybe Jesus is great. I, well, I think he's great. I think, but I also think Buddha's great. I think all is great. I think lots of them are great. Um, but, you know, this is so un-Jesus-like. I just think the whole uh, basic rule of loving your neighbor um, has uh, gone away uh, in this administration. And in a way, attorney general Unless you're white. Well, you're going to tell it like yeah. it is. I think that's, um, you know, that's right. I think that what or Donald Kanye. Trump. What, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Um, but if in Donald Trump's world, anyone else who's different, who is not mainstream white American, is prone to be feared. And he's going to play that wedge and seek to divide people. But I got to tell you, as you well know, Americans are standing up to that. That's why in Florida— We've got a very strong gubernatorial candidate, Andrew Gillum, yep. who's looking at winning that state. Mm-hmm. That's why in Georgia, Stacey, Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams, don't get me started, Stacey Abrams. I love her, but this Absolutely. guy, this, that Kemp, isn't the Kemp guy the guy? Is his last name Kemp? It is it the is guy, right. Kemp. And he is, the, he is essentially that lady who gave the election to Bush in 2000. He's that, that remember that lady, right. that Karen? He's her. From Florida. Her, yes, but in Georgia. Yep. Um, He's the Secretary of State, State of Georgia. And right now, he has put put aside about 53,000 ballots because he's got a question as to whether these are bona fide citizens. Everybody knows the name of the game. Oftentimes, when these folks get into office, the first thing they do is they try to change the voter eligibility rules. And the only goal, the only goal is to make it harder for people of color, poor, black, brown folks to vote even Native Americans in North Dakota. Oh, yeah. I mean, 100%. I mean, you are absolutely 100% preaching to the choir. And I think that if there's one, I don't like to play the blame game at all. I, you know, President Obama, Nancy Pelosi, I respect so much. I think that we all forget about in 2008 when he took over, we had the biggest economic crisis like ever. We were coming out of one of the biggest recessions of all time. There was like pre-existing conditions where like you were totally allowed to deny anyone for health care for any reason that you saw fit. So it's not like they were inheriting like the most gorgeous situation to prosper from. And I think they did like a very good job. But I think that they were so busy. And one thing that we forgot about, because I mean, 2008, like once he got elected, I was like, yay, queen, I got to go to hair school and like go do a bunch <laughs> of stuff. I was not, you know, so involved. But one thing that happened in 2010 that I accidentally brought up with Nancy Pelosi. And I was like, oh my God, that's when you became not speaker. I mean, wrong friend. Um, but in 2010, in that midterm, a thousand state legislative seats were lost and 19 chambers were lost. And I think that the Democratic Party, we forgot about the importance of state legislatures and the tools that state legislatures provide and thus to create a check and balance on any sort of government. Because really, when Barack became president, they utilized that state legislative branch of government to create some of the most restrictive abortion laws. Absolutely. Some of the most crazy stuff. I mean, the the law from Iowa that we saw. And in fact, speaking of state legislatures, you guys, Amber for Iowa, Amber for Iowa.com, Amber for Iowa on Instagram, honey, Amber Gustafson. Iowa, honey, she's the best. She's running for state senate. She's running to replace the state senator who is the Senate Majority Leader of Iowa who introduced that most restrictive abortion law. Into and the, the same thing happened in the state AG world. And the same thing happened. So right now in the state AG world, whereas prior to 2010, there were 29 Democratic AGs. Now there are only 23. Uh, 35 races up in just a week. And this is our chance. For attorney general. For attorney general. What are some of the hot 
button attorney general race. I don't know if you prepped for that. I got you. I got you. I got you. You ready? In Michigan, we got an unbelievable candidate, Dana Nessel. Dana Nessel happens to be a proud LGBTQ candidate, um, wonderful wife, and they've got two great kids running for AG. I guarantee you, when Dana Nessel gets in there, Michigan will not pass voter suppression laws. Another incredibly important race is in Nevada, a great candidate, Aaron Ford, running against the uh, the right wing. Another great race, Steve Dettelback in Ohio, beating the Ohio Republican candidate. Another great race, Wisconsin, uh, uh, Joshua Carl in Florida, Sean Shaw. You want to talk about emoluments, which are bribes to the president? Guess what happens if Sean Shaw, the Democratic AG, wins in Florida? I believe there may Over be an emoluments case in regards to Mar-a-Lago. Go Sean Shaw. Sean Shaw, Florida, Florida, Florida. Bingo. That is so important. And here's another thing that really grinds my gears, but I'm going to approach it with compassion and love. So that because it's like honey wins more than vinegar or whatever that thing is. If you have not registered to vote and you're not able to vote, or if you've been a victim of voter suppression laws in states, that does not mean that you are out of this election. Do you have a car? Do you have the Uber app? How can you get involved? How can you get people to the bowls? Can you take that Tuesday off? Can you help? Can you get people to the bowls? Can you canvas? Can How can you get involved? Just because you may not be able to vote does not mean that you cannot get involved. Incredibly important to get involved. Let me tell you a little bit about what state AGs can do also in their jurisdictions. Um, For example, in the District of Columbia. Mm. We live in a town where you've been here, of course, many times. No, actually, this is the first time I've been here since I was nine. Oh, my God. Can you believe? Uh, Well, I don't use my own catchphrase, but like, yeah, I I, I love it. It's gorgeous. Thank you for having me. Well, D.C. is fantastic. Um, There is no doubt that there's a lot of growth and great development. but, But guess what? The truth is, locally in D.C., there's an expanding divide and great disparity of wealth. My office is the prosecutor for all juveniles who, who offend in the District of Columbia. Um, we had two choices. We could either throw the book at all of these juvenile kids, not worry about the outcomes, or we could try to figure out what is going on that's causing them to actually get into the life of crime. Yeah. Here's what we found out. We found out in the District of Columbia, in areas where there is a lot of violence, including gun violence, these kids literally are living and growing up in a state of trauma. They are absolutely paralyzed. They cannot go to school um, peacefully. And what do they do? Their impulsivity uh, ends up acting uh, out into crime. So here's what we've decided to do. In and the then District what happens in other places, not in District of Columbia, is that when you throw the book at all of these juveniles with no regard for future, is these mass incarceration, private prisons are getting rich off of imprisoning entire swaths of our country's youth. And if you want to talk about family separation, this is another thing that we learned. So many families are separated at the hand of this criminal justice system that is so racist and so unevenly balanced in the way that it distributes justice. So here, so here's what we're doing in D.C., Rather than just lock them up and throw the book at them and don't ask any questions, what we're doing is we're trying to treat that underlying trauma with all kinds of mental health services, mentoring, and other services that get uh, from underneath that pain. And here's what we're finding. So far in my three years, we have treated about 2,350 kids. Do you know that 80% of those kids who completed our program have not been rearrested or mm-hmm. otherwise gotten involved in the criminal justice system. When we show love and dare. Instead of fear. Exactly. You actually have an opportunity to put kids on the right steps so they don't commit crime and become incredibly successful iPodcasters. Yeah. I mean, and also if you look at, you know, Europe and a lot of other Western countries, we were one of the only countries that locks people up, throws away the key, takes away their right to vote. Um, I mean, it's really quite insane. I mean, the, the 13th Amendment that that says, you know, all Americans are created equal and, and get to vote unless you're a felon. And then the way that a lot of states have written laws to target people of color and lower income folks so that they will. I think in Alabama, it's like 30 percent of adults do not have the right to vote because they are. They're, they, it's a huge issue. The returning citizen community. Look, if you've uh, paid a debt to society. Uh, and you're not engaged in violence or criminality anymore, you should be able to go back out and be a full participant, including voting. There is no doubt that mass incarceration goes hand in hand with suppression of votes. Yeah, I mean, it is the new... It's it's the new... It's 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 just how... It's the new Jim Crow. Yeah, exactly. I got nervous about saying Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Um, Can I talk about non-voting in D.C.? You yes, mentioned it yes, at the outset. Yes, yes, yes. So the District of Columbia, you heard the, about those license plates, has a license plate that says taxation without representation. What that means in D.C. is that D.C. residents pay more federal taxes than do 22 other states. Yet only in the District of Columbia do we not have a voting member of Congress, nor do we have senators. How does that impact us? You talked about, and the the band played on, about Reagan's blindness to HIV AIDS. Well, D.C. was not blind to that. In the early 2000s, D.C. passed an HIV needle exchange program because those needle exchange programs were proven in other states to actually reduce the incidence of HIV amongst drug users. Guess what happened? Congress came in. Some guy from Georgia said, no way. I don't like it, so D.C. can't yep. do it. Mike Pence also did the same thing and shut them down in Indiana and caused one of the largest HIV outbreaks in, in the last 10 years in Indiana. There are thousands of people that are infected because he insisted upon in, uh, enforcing his morality views on society, and it caused one of the biggest HIV outbreaks and in the last And that kind years. of thing can happen in D.C. because we don't have a vote in Congress. If our residents want a needle exchange program, that's not good enough for Congress. And how many residents of the District of Columbia are there? 700 Thousand. Is there any state that's less residents than that? There are three states that have less residents than Montana, that. Uh, Wyoming. I think you're talking about Delaware. Maybe Rhode Island. Getting close with Rhode Island. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's outrageous. I mean, that is literally why we sought independence from Great Britain. I mean, we we literally started our first war over that. And another thing that's really interesting about that is that when the Constitution was framed, there was 13 colonies primarily made up of, you know, white people and then people of color who were not allowed to vote at the time, right? Even, that's right. Yeah. So at the time, two senators for each thing like seemed like a normal, you know, institutionally racist thing to do because, hey. <laughs> um, so, but now, the fact that, you know, in California where, you know, so many of our voters are people of color and from other countries and they have, we have two senators the same as, say, Montana or North Dakota that are predominantly white— it is the, our federal Senate is whitewashed, and um, and it, it, there's a massive disparity there. And also, I think the way that you could correct that is by making DC a state, and also definitely Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico. And the truth is that if you look at the District of Columbia, as we fought to get more autonomy and more authority to govern ourselves, the history is that because DC was a predominantly, overwhelmingly African American uh, city. Uh, Congress slow walked it, particularly a lot of Southern Democrats back in the 50s and 60s. And that racial legacy continues to play a role in why it is we don't have representation. What's the path to statehood for D.C.? Like, what would have to happen? Would would we have to get like 38 governors or something? Like, how do you how do we do that? Yeah, uh, two thirds of the Senate would give it to us. Um, I think that if we really do have a strong, strong blue wave, maybe not in 2018, but perhaps in uh, 2020 or 2022, then we'll have a shot at that. In the meantime, D.C. has to do what it always has been doing, which is keeping a balanced budget for 28 years, uh, running itself quite responsibly, and then putting the plight of our lack of democracy right out to the public. So many people don't know this. That is insane that that is going on in America like as we speak. I mean, it's just something I don't think that we think about. The other thing I'd add is that we're receptive in D.C., as you well know, to protest. And I got to tell you, those kids from Parkland, Florida, came up to the District of Columbia last spring and held an extraordinary rally. Those are the young people who are leading the way in America. In D.C., we have legislation that would allow for 16-year-olds to vote. We need young people in our system. We need them to be active. And frankly, we need to follow them. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with more Getting Curious right after this. Welcome back to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Vaness. You know, I think another thing about the Trump administration that is unfortunate for this country, aside from all the obvious things that we've been talking about, is the fact that it has distracted us from so many other important things that are going on because he's creating so many issues. Um, and a lot of those issues that we have not had a chance to really focus on, you have been focusing on as the district attorney of the District of Columbia. That is like an alliteration That's there. Okay. That's okay. It's good. But so tell me about some of the other issues that you've been tackling and fighting against in, in your job. Sure. Um, one recent issue um, that we've been focused on uh, is uh, the historic sexual abuse that has occurred um, at the hands of uh, Catholic clergy. Uh, and so uh, just a, a week or so ago, we announced an investigation, not unlike uh, the investigation that the Pennsylvania AG, Josh Shapiro, 
uh, led uh, that came out um, about a month ago. In Josh Shapiro's report, there were over a thousand instances where kids had been sexually abused um, by at least 300 priests. What we're seeking to do with this investigation is once and for all, bring transparency to what exactly was going on so that hopefully where indicated new leadership in the church can really start representing its flock in a way that doesn't hurt kids. Yeah, I mean, that is not a few instances. That is intense, violent, uh, recurring, repeat. I mean, that is not a little instance. There's been too much abuse. There's been too much silence. There's been too much cover-up. All of that needs to come to an end And uh, I'm happy to be one of the many attorney generals who is investigating this matter. And, you know, that's another issue of why, you know, going back to statehood, that this, that District of Columbia really is, it's because for any kid or any issues that its citizens face, there's no way to introduce legislation at a federal level to protect, and it's not a state. So it's like, you know, how we can try. So we have, we have submitted exceptional legislation around common sense gun laws only, of course, to be turned away uh, by Congress. Um, Senator Marco Rubio in Florida every single year tries to pass a law that would eliminate all gun restrictions in the District of Columbia. The guy doesn't even live here. Of course, he would still be able to be protected, but everyone else— Yeah, because of a Secret Service detail. Exactly, but everyone else would just be living in the wild, wild west where anyone and their mama can grab a gun. And it's like you go to the part of District of Columbia that are more socioeconomically disenfranchised, where some of the people, some of the youth that you're dealing with, and see how long you last without your Secret Service. Exactly right. Exactly right. So, yeah, the cause of statehood and democracy for the District of Columbia is an extraordinary, um, important rallying cry. And again, I think it goes hand in hand with new leadership and young people coming into the electorate, running for office for the first time, women gays, people of color. Now's the time for us to take command of politics in the United States. What about, and you know, I love that. I mean, you're preaching to the choir. I think my brain goes back to um, when I was in Atlanta shooting the first two seasons of Queer Eye, the special election was going on between John Ossoff and Karen Handel, and it was all over TV. There were signs everywhere. And I remember I was going to the airport this one time, and the guy that was driving my lift was this really cute man of color. He was like like younger than me, like in his like mid-20s. And I was like, oh my God, like, isn't this so exciting? Like John Ossoff could take this queen. Like this could be so important. Like this is like really good. And he was like, I don't, I'm not, I don't. It's not going to do anything like she's like, it's not. And so what do you say to the people that just don't vote, don't care, aren't engaged? Because there are so many young people that like are not listening to this podcast and are not trying to become engaged. But if you are listening to this podcast and you do so happen to get in front of your Lyft driver or, um, you know, someone that you can talk to about it, uh, what is your take on convincing the non-voter or the non-participating person get them to participate? Because we know that half of our half of our population doesn't vote. Doesn't vote at all. Um, you know, I, I think really what it takes is direct engagement from people who are aware of the benefits of voting to people who have either lost faith or don't know. That's what we have to do. Oftentimes, what's being um, really pushed out is the idea of don't vote. Well. You know, they don't want certain people to vote so other people can vote so that certain people can come into a power. What we need to do is really communicate where the rubber meets the road as to what the value of voting is. Voting the right way impacts your insurance. It impacts your ability to live a life in a peaceful way that you want to lead, not somebody else. It also uh, means that people can get educated more broadly. It means that you could like, you know, not go to jail for five years for having like a small bag of marijuana in your car. That's right. Because also too, like growing up in the middle of America, like on, you know, in small, like Midwestern, you know, rural Illinois town, I had police officers as a young gay white person I mean, really, like, pull you over and, like, shake your car down, like, looking. It's like, don't you have a meth lab? I mean, because my hometown, Adams, or my the county that I come from, has, like, some of the worst meth problem in the country and the, and the counties around it. And these police officers really are sitting in speed traps to make money when they're, like, not policing the area. Yeah, like, yeah. It's kind of a thing. Yeah, law enforcement has to be fair. 
where law enforcement is fair, the data shows that people cooperate with the police. And guess what happens? Crime gets solved. When you don't trust police, no one's talking to the police. More crime occurs. And so that's, but the, and back to voting, that's so important because it's like the police who file charges and stuff, like the attorney general of like each of your states has to like be like, uh huh, mm uh huh, mm We have discretion. Look, if you want to have people in responsible offices whose discretion you trust more than others, it's important that you get informed on who you can vote for and that you vote and get other people to the polls. Love that story. So then another thing that I feel like I've in my Wicca stalking of you, it's your where consumer protections are like a gorgeous thing that you're focusing on because there's a lot of like predatory lending. There's a lot of like, oh my gosh, like your car loan for $400. But then like, sorry that the interest rate was like 74% in this small print. You didn't see it. Bye. Well, look, we had this thing called the CFPB, the Consumer Finance Protection Board, uh, that was certainly instituted under Obama's term. Uh, and that their job was to protect consumers from all kinds of financial fraud. Well, you know, Trump um, has essentially killed the CFPB. And so state attorney generals, particularly the Democrats, are standing up to protect folks in things like what? Um, when you talk about for-profit colleges and universities, your average student takes out a lot of loans to attend some of these colleges and universities. Let me give you one example. Trump University. Mm. If you attended Trump University and you took out a $50,000 loan, I guarantee you it was represented to you that upon graduation, you're going to get a high paying job. Well, the facts are. No one's hiring you from Trump, you honey. (laughs) No one's hiring you from Trump. If my pick is like Harvard or even like, fuck Harvard, like, like give me like, you know, junior college from, you know, (laughs) Tallahassee, honey, I'm hiring you over, over Trump, you. Exactly. And so the CFPB uh, under um, another, uh, not, not the Trump uh, administration said, hey, look, some of these universities are bogus. They lie to kids and adults about what a graduation or attendance is going to mean for them. And so there was a rule established that said, if you attended a bogus university, guess what? We're going to forgive your loan and we're going to have that bogus university become responsible for the loan. Sounds like a common sense rule, right? Well, that rule was reversed in the Trump administration. And so those kinds of basic consumer protections in the District of Columbia, we have a usury law that bans folks from making loans with an interest rate above 24 percent. Well, lo and behold, there are plenty of of these fintech companies out out of the jurisdiction who will loan money online to D.C. residents. Get this for up to 370 percent. That's where consumers need to be protected. And the CFPB today is not on the side of consumers. And the theoretical difference between a Republican and a Democrat in this stage would be a a Republican would say, well, the onus is on the consumer to do their research and make sure, you know, like, I'm not going to get in the way of this company from making their buck. Like, I'm all about small government, honey. So you pillage the citizens. I don't mind because I'm busy over here being small government, uh, unless that has to do with, like, putting, you know, troops in the Middle East or, like, fear mongering or doing all these other stuff that I'm doing. Uh, uh, but yes, pillage the citizens. Whereas the Democrats would say, like, look, yes, you can have like loaning practices and stuff, but it just, you know, like, because legally, like with contracts, like it has to make sense on like, you know, the four squares four of paper, like that whole thing, like has to make sense. Um, and it just seems like the Republicans want the onus to be on the individual to do all their due diligence and all their research. And they just want the corporations to be able to put whatever they see fit out there, whether that's guns, cigarettes. Definitely not abortion, though. Definitely not marijuana. But if it's something they like the money on, honey, they just want you to be able to do it. Well, that's exactly right. And uh, they they say, you know, if you're a poor consumer, a vulnerable consumer, a senior citizen, and you got screwed by a a financial services firm, uh, go somewhere else. We're not going to defend you. State attorney generals, particularly Democrats, will. Is there any Republican branch that doesn't suck? (laughs) Is there any good ones who are, like, not down with predatory lending? There were there were a handful of uh, Republican AGs, friends of mine, you know, who do not join the Trump administration uh, when the Trump administration uh, tries to go after our health care. They don't join the Trump administration when the Trump administration— Don't give them a shout-out because I don't want, like, I'm Fox not. News to pick that up and, you know, <laughs> get them all out of there. I don't want to name names. Yeah. I want them to stay in power. Uh-huh. Exactly. But overwhelmingly, you know what this is. This is the time of Trump. This is the time of no dissent. This is the time of no check and balance. This is the time where anything he says. Hopefully only for nine more days from when we're recording this in this in this booth right now. That's exactly right. And that's why organizations like the Democratic Attorney General's Association are focused on 
regaining seats and yep. bringing in a rule of law and a check and balance on this president. Yep. Red, like R-E-D, then two, blue, red to blue, major, so good. That organization, sister district we love. This one, like, donate, canvas, get it together. Is there any other gorgeous, uh, well, not gorgeous, but is there any other things that you're passionate about that, like, you want to light our fire about? Sure. Um, I'll just go with a local issue here in D.C. This, again, is where the rubber meets the road. In the District of Columbia, most developers and landlords follow the law, but we've also found way too many who do not. And what they tend to do is they identify properties that could be lucrative in the future, they buy them, and then they cease providing services. Well, guess who those tenants are? Mm. Overwhelmingly elderly, people of color, um, you know, non-English speakers who can't protect themselves. What we've done is we've brought suit after suit against those slumlords We've taken the property, put it in the hands of uh, reasonable people who will provide services to those tenants, and we've gotten money back in the pocket of the tenants. And why statehood would be important again in this issue is because in California, that's not allowed. Because if like a landlord does that, if the, if the tenants have been living there for a certain amount of time, like if, if the building's been there for like 20 years and they want to come wreck it down to make like a bigger high rise for more money for, you know, themselves, they have to pay each tenant like if they've been there for more than 10 years, like $25,000. Less than 10 years, it's like $15,000 for a relocation fee, which is still under, but at least there's like a protection so that That's these right. people have a chance to like move on and find a safe place to live and you know have you know protection like just normal protections the reality is is that in our capitalist uh, system not everything ends up being um legal and not everything ends up uh balancing out in the right way you need to have protections particularly for vulnerable people yeah absolutely and i feel like i just realized i want to do another getting curious someday on like like building safety and how like regulations get into that because you know you see all the time like those little videos sometimes like from China where like the lady's like getting off of the escalator with her kid and she like chucks her kid to safety but like she falls through like the thing no that happens because it's like there's no checks and balances so like all the same people get all the same stuff to build like all the escalators and all the stuff and there's always these accidents because there's no gorgeous checks and balances on on anything like we're gonna be falling through the fucking escalators literally that's why I'm walking down the stairs after this Honey, well, we're like on the sixth floor. It's going to take you a minute. But <laughs> is there anything else that I missed in the yoga class of the podcast? Like, what do we need to look out for? How can we support? How can we be better allies for Washington, D.C.? I mean. Sure. Well, number one, uh, always look at Washington, D.C. and be supportive of just basic democracy principles. The people of the District of Columbia need to have representation before Congress. On the emolument suit, the next step is going to be our request to get all kinds of what they call discovery documents financial documents uh, from the Trump businesses. It'll be very interesting if we're able to get our hands on financial documents, including perhaps uh, tax returns. Is there any like, uh, you know, big dates we should be looking out for or like anything to keep our eyes on in, in regards to this coming up? Or? Yeah, you're, you're going to be looking at, I think, some big dates in December and January. That's where the court will give us the green light or not in regards to getting documents from President Trump. You know, this emoluments thing, again, all that is is money into the president's pocket. No president in history has ever put the country through this kind of legal battle. You know why? Because presidents know that the job of president is a job that requires well, they all full did attention. Blind trusts. They all did blind. Even Jimmy Carter, he used to have a, a peanut farm, separated himself entirely from the peanut farm. But no, not good enough for Donald Trump. Yeah, I mean, it really is. I mean, it's 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 literally unprecedented. And the conflicts of interest are are so blatant. And also, you know, to have Steve Mnuchin in, you know, Saudi Arabia as Kishlag, I mean, it's really insane. And, you know, I hope that, you know, what's-her-face is, you know, on her private plane enjoying her Prada while her husband is advocating for dictators who kill journalists. Um, but at least she's off the gram as much as she used to be. I still don't like her. I hope you're listening. She's a nightmare. Um... Well, I feel invigorated, kind of. I think I'm very happy that you are in the position that you are. So what I'd ask all your, your listening audience, and I know there are many, many people, is to take a look at what people consider to be a down-ballot uh, position. That's the attorney general position in your state. Look hard to see who's running, what they stand for, and please vote for the Democratic AG. We're going to make sure there's a check and balance in place on Donald Trump, and then we're going to do really great things in your jurisdictions to help 
the residents there. Because, oh, wait, sidebar, isn't Jeff Sessions, he's the attorney general. He is the attorney general of the United States. But so just if you can think about in your head for a second how much you hate everything that comes out of his mouth and then apply that to, like, the person in your state making the rules, that is why it is so important to vote for your attorney general to know what that person does. Because, like, every time your skin crawls when he opens his mouth, like, that's why you really need to have a good attorney general in your state. That's exactly right. Attorney generals fight for things like pre-existing uh, uh, protection from pre-existing conditions. They fight for reproductive rights. They fight for LGBTQ rights. My colleagues and I have uh, filed suit against the administration for their attempt to ban trans from being in the military. Now the in- administration seems to just want to erase trans uh, from uh, the map. We're going to be fighting against that. And also it Attorney generals, don't you also have a lot to do with like how you get like enforce things in courts with like how like, you know, mass incarceration things are processed and how like, you know, nonviolent drug possession and all that stuff is no doubt about it. We have a ton of discretion as to how uh, the criminal law should be enforced. And if you want criminal laws enforced based on facts, not fear, based on best practices, not just locking people up for the hell of it, then vote Democratic. Love that story. Uh, I really can't think of a better way in this podcast. And I just really appreciate you giving me your time in this incredibly busy time for you. Where can, are you, are you on the Twitter? Are we using the Twitter fingers like the president? Are you too busy like putting out fires to be on Twitter? A.G. Carl Racine, K-A-R-L-R-A-C-I-N-E. Love, you know, it's, it reminds me of like the Racine Peaches from A League of Their Own. You know, I feel like there was like, I feel like there was like a city named Racine. In there that is, movie. right outside of Milwaukee. That's cute, right? Absolutely. Love that. And there was like the, you know, I love, did you see A League of Their Own? Do you remember that movie? I it was did. so good. I loved you know, it. Gina Davis, honey, Madonna, so good. <laughs> Um, uh, okay, so that's your Twitter. Um, vote. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Jonathan. Modern Day Patriot of Our Times. So excited that I got to meet you. So just thank you so much and namaste and keep on slaying and thank you so much. Namaste back at you, brother. You've been listening to Getting Curious with me, Jonathan Benes. My guest this week was Washington, D.C. Attorney General Carl Racine. You'll find links to Attorney General Racine's work and socials in the episode description of whatever you're listening to the show on. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at JBN. Our theme music is Freak by Quinn. Thank you so much to her for letting us use it. If you enjoyed our show, please let one of your friends know, just one or two, uh, and, you know, and just let them know how they go ahead and subscribe. It's so easy and fun. Thanks, guys, for listening. See you next time on Getting Curious. It's Ashir and Nicole from Best, Best Friends. Our podcast has been out for a few months. If you haven't listened to it, you should. We've already asked the big questions in life. Imagine if we could lay eggs. Okay, sure. <laughs> I guess we. Wouldn't that be funny if you could eat from yourself? No, because that's it, like cannibalism. Not when you eat yourself. What? Hmm? Answer listener questions. Hi, Nicole and Sashir. What happens if Sashir dies first? I mean, I've never thought of it. Well, I would be so sad. <laughs> Oh no, Nicole! Nicole! <laughs> I'm not gonna die! Take BuzzFeed quizzes. Let's pick eight foods and we'll give you a sex position to try. Whoa. This is wild. Plus, we bring on other funny best friends to talk about their friendship. I almost wanna cry. I feel, I don't know why that really made me feel emotional, but. It's because it's pure to talk about it friendship. Is. It's nice. It's so nice. It's like so rare to like articulate it, but she's always there for me. Like, I, I think she's just somebody who. <laughs> Oh, I love this. I love it so much. Oh, my God. It's really sweet. Best Friends with Nicole Byer and Sashir Zameda is new every Wednesday. On Stitcher. Apple Podcasts. Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen. Oh, my God. To it. (laughs) 